Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Sunday evening. Joining us from New York City, God be going to Philadelphia soon. Tim Bontemps. Going to Philadelphia on Wednesday for uh, Sixers Celtics. Barn burner. Maybe two top teams in the league at that point. We'll see. Hello, everybody. Sixers uh, off to a 4-1 and one start and uh, one over. Uh, could they play in the in-season tournament on Friday? I don't remember. They didn't. They oh, the, played the Suns, the Suns on Saturday. And Suns on the, Saturday. Beat the Suns. Yep. It was like a noon game for, um, I guess, for Europe's benefit. 1 p.m. 1 p.m. afternoon tip. Noon Central. That's where I live. Noon Central. Joining us from the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas, where he just watched the Mavericks move to 5-1 and one on the season by uh, defeating the Charlotte Hornets in a surprisingly good game, is Van McMahon. Howdy, partners. It is good to be here, even though Bon Temp sounds like he's been gargling acid or something. <laughs> That's one way to put it. The mellow ball well, was uh, firing on all cylinders before the quarter of that game. Yeah, he tied an NBA record tonight. Did Most, he really? Yes, absolutely. Most fouls committed during a triple-double. <laughs> also in any well, game. I thought that was what it was going to be. In any well, game, is he allowed five or was he allowed six? Which was it? Allowed five or allowed six? <laughs> no, look, hey, Lamelo did put on a pretty good show. Luca had, by his standards, a, a mid performance, but the Mighty Mavericks pull out another one. Hey, five and zero oh when Jay Kidd's coaching him. He he gave Sweeney the wheel one game and they brought it back. Now that was an in season but... tournament game. They played <laughs> Dallas played in in Denver on Friday. Denver won. And an interesting note from that game. I don't know if you guys saw this. <laughs> yes. Wait, did Sweeney actually coach that game? Yes. Jay uh, Kidd was sick. He didn't make the trip. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't. I legitimately didn't know that. But yeah, I think he had uh, jokeritis. <laughs> <laughs> That's been known to happen. So they were playing. <laughs> they were playing on the uh, you know the in the IST in season tournament court mm-hmm. and. The story that I read said it was Grant Williams. I don't know if it was yeah. other players, but Grant Williams goes out there for the shoot around in the morning and he's shooting threes at one end, you know, I maybe mm-hmm. I, maybe it was both ends of the court. He's shooting threes and all of his shots are short. You know, you've heard of the Scottsdale flu, you've heard of the Miami flu, South Beach flu, maybe the altitude, but he's like, wait a minute, how could every single one of these shots be short? Yeah. And um legs felt fine, didn't even go to shotgun Willie's the night before. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> and uh, some of the other Mavericks players are uh, well. And, and the point here is that the the Nuggets wouldn't have shot around on that court in the morning. They would shot right. around at their practice court, which mm-hmm. is up on like the seventh, fifth, or sixth floor of the arena. And the Mavericks players were like, "Wait a minute, this doesn't seem right." And they got out the measurement, and the three point line was too far back on the new court, so they had to scramble and repaint the line during the day on the new court. I mean, and that's what those things like, deep. shouldn't that just be like pretty standard operating procedure to get like three point lane? Like there's certain lines that don't change based on the court. But anyways, well, hey, I actually did some research on this. This was so fascinating to me. They, it wasn't, they didn't decide that, you know, Zach Lowe wrote about this. They didn't decide that they were going to um, really do these specialty courts until like August. Mm-hmm. So they had to scramble to do them all. And there, apparently there's three different companies that do it so i would say whatever company and i don't know which one whatever company did that denver court better check their other courts to check those three point lines yeah, right some of them probably have some of them might not have been used yet you well know? maybe they're so, just trying to maybe they were you know there's been talk like the in-season tournaments this new thing and this new like 
Try a new line. It's been talking. Yeah, and there's been talk about the four-point line. Maybe they're just trying to get a head start on this. Who knows? Uh, Listen, old Jackson, grumpy old Jackson. He's about 17 years old. He's already a grumpy old fart. Saying, oh, this is further proof that these courts shouldn't exist. Hey, (laughs) these courts were a stroke of genius. You know why? Because it's been like three days now, and everybody's still talking about these damn ugly courts. Wow. They're absolutely Jackson, yeah. they're Good trying market. to engage your lack of attention generation. That's By what the they're way, trying to do. Another quick Grant Williams uh, thing. Grant Williams wore a Kelly Green number 62 Jason Kelsey jersey postgame tonight. The Eagles beat the Cowboys, and he's strutting around in an Eagles jersey. And I would say that is a dangerous thing to do in the city of Dallas. I'd say it's a bad idea, but the last time the Mavericks had a diehard Eagles fan playing a prominent role on this team, they went to the Western Conference Finals, so he's replacing Jalen Brunson as the primary Cowboys fan antagonist in the city of Dallas. Well, he also went Williams seven and nine. Charlotte is a, is a Eagles fan. But. I mean, hey, Markeith Morris from Philadelphia is a Cowboys fan, so go figure. Well, that's that's he also went true. seven and nine tonight, which didn't uh, hurt his cause from wearing whatever he wants to wear. He's exactly. been he's been really he's been really, really good for Dallas and everything they could have hoped for, really, so far, I would say. By the way, how many points did LaMelo Ball have in the fourth quarter of this game? I believe he had twenty-three. A lot. Man. So yeah, he had seven going into the fourth and ended up with a thirty point triple double. So it was twenty three or twenty five or whatever. He 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 was going crazy. It was a wildly oh, entertaining way, fourth quarter. Him going back and forth with the Mavs. How about Luka this? Going how back about and this forth for the unscheduled? <laughs> how about this for unscheduled trivia? Ooh. You may have seen that Tyrese Halliburton had mm. a forty three point game against the Hornets on Saturday night and lost, which the Hornets won that game. Yeah, LaMelo actually guarded Tyrese on the final possession successfully. It was a pretty remarkable thing to see. All right. Unless you read this stat, I will be stunned if you get it. And I almost think that I'm in danger of being wrong, but I read it. I have no idea what this stat is. I didn't see it. Tyrese Halliburton had 25 points in the third quarter of that game. Mm -hmm. It tied a Pacers record for most points in a quarter. Who did it tie with? You'll never get it. It's it's happened within the last couple of years. Happened within the last couple of years. I was going to say when you Karis Levert. That's a that's a, actually a reasonable guess. You'll you'll never get it. Who the hell yeah, I was, I was gonna. I was thinking the rifleman Chuck Person when you. That's what, I was also, thinking. These are well, just because Reggie just because it wasn't because you know. I assumed it wasn't going to be Reggie Miller. Last couple of years, last buddy. Couple. Jordan Nawara. Well, Jordan Nawara. I that is, yeah. No one would have yeah. guessed that. No, I do that remember the game better. that I think he had a. I don't know if it was a 50-point game. I remember he had one game with a ton of points. Jordan Nuara with the Pacers. All right, and real quick before we get to the Mavericks, Halliburton has, through five games, has 121 points and 62 assists. He's a fourth player in the history of the league with 120 points and 60 assists through the first five games. Fourth player in history. Mm -hmm. The other three, two of them are active. One of them is in the Hall of Fame. Do you want to take a guess at that? Harden, um, Westbrook, and Robertson. You got two of the three: Harden and uh, Harden in 2016, and Oscar Robertson in 1961. The other active one is it Luca? No, it's a good guess though. The other active one played tonight, and his team lost. Donovan Mitchell? No, no, they won. Duh, that's not a very good guess. <laughs> I'm not good at trivia, so I'm not taking a more high ground here. I have it in front of me, obviously. <laughs> 
Uh, let me just look who played tonight. Oh, staff. Close to staff, staff or Chris Paul. Chris Paul. Chris Paul. Wow. All right. Yeah. In 2013. Okay. Otherwise, my point is Tyrese Halliburton's off to a great start. Um, and he actually got banged up a little bit. It was his, through his first five games. I think he missed, he missed a game. Um, and he's, uh, he's had a couple of great performances at the end of games that have gotten them a, the paces a couple wins. Okay. Mavericks are five and one, uh, McMahon. A, the one loss was at Denver without mm-hmm. Jason Kidd. Um, I don't know if I would say that this is an unexpected five and one. Um, Luca came in in great shape. He is playing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was one of nine on threes tonight, so not his best shooting night, but had 12 rebounds and nine assists. Um, Grant Williams had a couple of great shooting games. You know, mm-hmm. that's what he does. Shooting 50% uh, from three. Yeah, four or five in tonight's game. Uh, what's working, and is well, this sustainable? Well, I mean, listen, n- not to go f- Debbie Downer just to kick things off, but it's been, with the exception of the trip to Denver, it's been a soft schedule. Um, you know, having said that, part of that soft schedule was opening up in San Antonio, which you know went to Phoenix and and won a couple of games there. But uh, you mentioned Luca came in in great shape. Um, the first three games, Luca just played MVP basketball and like you know like the shot we talked about the crazy shot that he hit to cap that 49 point performance against the nets a couple 30 something point triple doubles um grant williams has been really really good uh i think the most encouraging thing about this six games the five one start for the mavericks though has been Derek Livey the second it looks like a guy who's going to be a stud for a long time now are there going to be times he looks like a teenager starting at center? Sure. Such as when they go to Denver. Um, but, you know, again, tonight, 15 points, 14 rebounds. Um, you know, he, he's in there to, uh, you know, for most of crunch time, except for when they went to, you know, get the free throw shooters on the floor. Um, he's seven foot one, 240, athletic as hell. I mean, the potential with him as a role man for Luca is almost literally through the roof. Um, and uh, the thing about Lively is every everybody you talk to about him is like, man, he wants to be great. He's a smart kid. He works his butt off. He wants to learn. Um, again, I have my doubts about being able to really be a threat with a teenager starting at center. But this kid has far exceeded expectations. The thing is, like, even after summer league, you know, people around here were talking about him as a project. And then, as you got closer to training camp, you heard a lot of man. This kid's really made some major strides. He stayed in Dallas the whole summer. It's uh, kind of a surprise they were starting him, right? And then, yeah, and they didn't even start him the opener. And Jay Kid, they started him all through preseason. Jay Kid didn't want to put too much pressure on him in the opener. So he came off the bench, but that's the night he came off the bench and was the best rookie in a game that uh, was Victor Wembanyama's NBA debut. You know, he had, he had, I think 16 and 10 that night. Um, and again, he's, he's been very good. He's got the potential to be, you know, like a, a, a real impact kind of traditional modern center. By that, I mean, you know, that rim runner, rim protector, uh, and like I said, if you're if you're looking at what are the bright the brightest 
spots of the Mavericks five and one start, like you expect Luca to play like an MVP type of dude. You don't necessarily expect a 19 year old to come in and be one of the major reasons that they've gotten off to a good start. And that that's been the case. Well, let's be honest, right? Like you talk about this, having him be part of a, a team that's a real threat. The Mavs at this point, like if they make the playoffs this year, that's a significant step forward, right? Mm-hmm. And it, like even watching him tonight, I got a chance to watch a decent amount of that game. Reminded me a lot of seeing James Harden with a young Clint Capella early on, yeah. right? A guy, perfect lob threat. Like you already see Luca finding him all over the place. And with his size, like he looks like he's 12 years old. Like he's obviously going to grow into being a bigger, more imposing physical guy. And he's already getting himself in the right spots, making heady plays, moving around in space, really building a connection with Luca already on the pick and roll. I mean, it, uh, it, it was, that was, it's impressive to see. Yeah. He, uh, let's see, only one assist tonight, but like against the Bulls, he had six assists and, you know, a lot of those were off the short roll. So even, even making, uh, some reads that you don't necessarily expect to see out of a, a one and done who didn't play a lot at Duke. Luca and Kyrie combined for 19 assists tonight. The Mavericks had seven guys in double figures. That was not what we were seeing last year after the trade. Yeah. Jaden Hardy is, is giving them some real punch off the bench and, he can come in and just be, you know, play off one of these all-star ball handlers and and just come in and and, and be super aggressive. Um, but look, the Mavericks, I think they're going to be an elite offensive team all year long as long as they're getting Kyrie and Luke on the floor most of the time. That's like duh. Um, they're they're not a good defensive team. They're still not a good defensive team. They're winning because they're awesome offensively. Um and I think it's it's ultimately it will be tough to be much more than a team that gets into the playoffs if you're not at least decent defensively. They've they've got a ways to go to get decent defensively. Like they gave up they gave up 72 points in the paint tonight. Now I don't think you can put that on this the seven foot teenage kid. Like there's there's still a whole lot of blow buys. Um and I think that puts the that that puts a a ceiling that's not real high on this team. Um, big picture for this season, I think that what you're hoping, obviously, is that Luca goes in in the summer feeling like, hey, this team made a significant bounce back, is back heading in the right direction. I think the the best thing that can happen is Luke if Luca goes in the summer thinking, dude. Lively's got a chance to be exactly the kind of big that I want to play with and to be that guy very soon. Luca asked them to get him a veteran big this summer. That's They had discussions for DeAndre. They had discussions for Clint Capella. Obviously, neither of those deals happened. Um, that, that might be a blessing because Lively's not playing 30-something minutes per game if they go out and get one of those guys who have a, a, a big salary. Um, so, you know, again... We'll see how it goes, but uh, certainly got to feel good about five and one, given uh, some of the bad mojo that that had been swirling around this team for the last basically year. Well, and obviously, if you've got Luke and Kyrie, your defense is probably not going to be great, but you at least have the bones of something potentially sustainable around them with the two of them and then Josh Green and Grant Williams and then Lively on the back line. Like those three guys around them, guys are going to spot up threes with a role big that that's at least a lineup you can look at and say, those guys are young. They can grow with them. There's some defensive potential around them. Guys that are good 
fits with how they want to play stylistically. There's at least a path there mm-hmm. to where you could say to Luca, hey, look, this is a group we can grow with going forward. We can find some more stuff to put with it. There's stuff to build on there, as opposed to the end of last season when you were looking at it going, man, what what is the path here that's going to be right. viable? There's at least now you can look at it and start to see the the beginnings of, hey, like here's a young, interesting team that you can grow with for a while. Yeah, and there's times where uh, they'll throw out uh, an all 24 and under team. You know, like Grant Williams, you think of as a vet, he's 24 years old. You know, uh, they've they've had this lineup out there of of Luca, um, Jaden Hardy, second year guy, Josh Green, Grant Williams, and and Derek Lively. So they've at least got a young core of guys who are contributing now, and obviously, you know the the arrow should be pointed up with all those guys. You know, I think Grant Williams kind of is what he is at this point, but what he is is a really solid role player, and the rest of those guys have a chance, I think, to well, aside from Luca, the the other three role players have a chance, I think, to get significantly better. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I think Luca's <laughs> going to get a whole lot better. He's already one of the top. He's whatever he's we can argue good. the number of five or six players in the league. Well, I wasn't foreseeing this uh, this kind of start for them, especially considering they had three new starters. Off, it, you know, I guess they had to improve the team at some you know some way. But uh, by the way, speaking of DeAndre Ayton, he. Uh, he came into tonight second in the NBA in rebounding for the play for the for the Blazers, who are a few minutes away from going four and three and sending the Grizzlies to 0 and seven. I don't know if I jinx, just jinx them. Oh and eight, I believe, right? Uh, I think 0 and seven. seven. Maybe it's 0 and eight. Listen, DeAndre Ayton better be a hell of an oh, yeah, offensive rebounder because that's the only way we can get the ball. <laughs> but he but he's only he's he's never averaged more than seven rebounds a game in his career. No, that's false. What are you looking at? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, 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 screwed, I screwed that up. I was going to say, <laughs> that's, that's, def- more that's than definitely not. He's been a double-figure rebounder. Sorry. I, I don't know why I was, I was confused. <laughs> um, anyway, he, uh, anyway, this has been his best, you know, two weeks in, but he's been his best rebounding season. His rebounding has jumped. Since. Hey, we'll, we'll hit on the Suns later. They've got pretty significant concerns in a variety of Let's talk of about places. it right now. Okay. Let's talk about I, it right now. They've got a concern at center. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. The Suns, the Suns didn't uh, didn't make our list of underachieving teams or you know surprisingly bad teams that we did in the last pod because they hadn't they lost three, yet. Well, well they, are they were two and two. They were two and two. They well, didn't I meant they hadn't lost up. that night yeah, yet. Yeah. They did it that afternoon. So they are three and four now. They beat Detroit today in the Monty Williams. Wasn't really a return game because they were in Detroit. Durant had 41 points. The asterisk on them is Bradley Beal hasn't played yet. I know you saw him, Bon Temps, work out before the game the other day in uh, in Philly. Mm-hmm. And and you know I won't put I won't use your what you said to me, but you know you thought he looked okay. He had another pregame workout today. I think he's getting close. Yeah, um, I think I think the hope is he'll be back sometime soon. Um, but I wouldn't put an asterisk on it because this is the I thing would. we have talked. I absolutely. Well, no, well, absolutely well you can't because this is the thing that's been talked about with this team since they made these moves. They, mm-hmm. they have, they have acquired two players, three players had Devin Booker. They acquired Kevin Durant. They now acquired Bradley Beal. All three guys get hurt all the time. It should not be a surprise that we're two weeks into the season and two of them are hurt. 
Like this is what has happened now for years with all of them. So yeah. it's not a, this is not a, oh man, Mikhail Bridges is hurt situation. Right. Like these guys are always hurt. So, you know, maybe they'll all be healthy in two weeks and they'll play the rest of the year and they'll have no issues and they'll all play 65 games or more. Okay, it's but, fine. I'm just saying, like, if you are evaluating the Suns after seven games and Beal's played none of them, by the way, their next game is at Chicago on Wednesday. Maybe Beal's ready for that. Maybe he's not there. Frank Vogel is not giving a timetable. Um, Beal's played none of the seven. Booker's played two of the seven, and he's had three different injuries now. He had, yeah. a, he had a toe injury in the preseason that cost him time. He came back and played the opener at Golden State where he play, he and the Warriors looked very good. He hurt his ankle in that game. Mm-hmm. Missed some. What'd you just mumble? He and the Suns, not he and the Warriors. Go on. I'm always doing that. I'm showing my age all the time with these mistakes. That's okay. Let's be honest. There's a point of honesty here. Um. Anyway, then he hurt his ankle in that game. Missed a few games. Came back against. Uh, I believe it was the second game against the Spurs. They, second um, game against the Spurs and had a great game in that game, despite the fact yeah. that they lost and had his little chit chat with Sohan that Sohan pointed out uh on Twitter after the game, show the rest they lost. <laughs> but Booker, <laughs> book when Booker's played, it's only two games. The dude's been awesome. 31 and a right. half points, 10 and a half assists, <laughs> seven and a half rebounds. But it's to your point, he's had more injuries than games played so far. So he so he popped up on the injury report over the weekend with a calf strain. Frank Vogel said today that the, he had an MRI which showed the strain and he's out. We don't know, not but down. you know, calf strains aren't day to day. They're more. Well, I'm more worried that he's got toe, ankle, and calf. He's got leg injuries that are maybe yeah. compounding on each other. And it's toe. There are different ankle, legs. Right. The toe and ankles on the left foot, the calves on the right foot, you know, right. calves on the low end are like 10 days. Um, obviously, they can be nagging type of injuries. Um, you know, Beal's been out with back spasms the whole time, but like, when they went out and got Beal, Bond Temps, the urine-soaked wet blanket, doesn't just because he smells bad doesn't mean he's wrong. Like he was, he been talking about. Well, he's 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 biding his time. Dirt. He's ready to unload. So let's get out of his way. Go yeah. ahead. Go have at it, Bond Temps. I mean, I I mean, there's nothing to unload about. I said it before. You can't put an asterisk on them being three and four because of injuries because they're you have to expect them to have injuries. The bigger issue, they've is missed use of two of their good. two of their got two of their stars for five games. Okay. And one of their stars for oh, they had him both out for five games, and and yeah, the other I'm two aware. they had Beal out. Yes, I'm but the other concern that. here is the oldest of their stars and the one with the scariest injury history is having to play thirty six minutes a game and like super high usage, you know, heavy burden minutes because you know his co stars aren't on the floor. And while they did a nice job filling out the roster. It's like they've got a 1A, a 1B, a 2, and then a bunch of 7th, 8th, ninth I'm men. I'm saying they are not good enough to with, with their rest of their team, or do they not have good enough right. chemistry at this point to withstand two of the guys out? For sure. I, That's all. Uh, yeah, and no if, one's listen, arguing Bontemps, that, but they... If, they're, if, if the two of the guys both miss 50 games, then I agree. But go find me a, any team with three stars and two of them miss 50 games. They've all missed 30 games a year for years. I don't understand what we're doing here. We're acting like it's, we should just set aside that they're hurt all the time and say, well, they haven't been healthy. We have to wait. The whole point is we're not even two weeks into the season 
and they're having injury issues. One guy's got a back issue. We all know those are not uh, guarantees to just be magically healed. He could come back soon and be fine and have no more issues. He could be a lingering thing. And we all also know, as Tim pointed out, calf strains are really tricky injuries. You could have missed a bunch of time. You could come back and re-aggravate it. Like, that's another nagging thing. Or Kevin you could come back one- like Luca did and go for a couple 30-point triple-doubles in a 49-point That's game. right. And it could be totally yeah. fine. But, you know, look, Devin, Devin's a fabulous player who now has a pretty significant history of muscle injuries. Kevin Durant has a long history now of pretty significant injuries. Yeah. Bradley Beal has missed a ton of time. You just have to assume – those guys are going to miss time and it's problematic. It's already happening right off the bat. And then on top of that, use of mm-hmm. Nurkic isn't any good. Well, that, the, that, the, that the, to me is, listen, we all know, Hey, they've got to have their three guys to have a chance to, to be legit contenders. I think the question is, do they have such an issue at center that even if their three stars are healthy, like, man, Yusuf Nurkic is not closing games over Drew Eubanks at this point. Well, and you can make um, a good argument. Drew Eubanks is just better than him. At this and, point. I, and 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 well worth tampering with if he's going to be closing games. Um, but no, it's uh, yeah, the, the DeAndre Ayton trade. I think it, he he wasn't going to be leading the league in rebound in Phoenix, and he wasn't going to be playing hard for the Suns. That's just just the way it is. But well, Nurkic is shooting. Like thirty five. Nurkic can't make Nurkic can't make a layup. Anybody nobody nobody really watched Portland last year, but anybody who watched Portland last year knew he couldn't make a layup last year. And he can't make a layup this year. He can't move on defense. The game they played against the Lakers, LeBron just walked by him at the end of the game. He just stood there and watched him go in for a layup. Like this is what my argument was when we had the discussion about the DeAndre trade in the first place. The Blazers had nowhere to send Yusuf Nurkic. I, I'm totally with you, McMahon. We went over it. We don't need to rehash the whole thing again. I understand the chemistry issue. I understand why they did the trade. But the fact of the matter was they made a trade that significantly downgraded them in talent. And they tried to justify why they did it. And maybe it'll maybe the chemistry thing will outbalance that when everybody's healthy and around. And they they'll it'll all work out. But they, I would have still said they should have tried to patch it up with DeAndre and let Frank Vogel try to get something out of him, and try to get them to get something better than the package that was always going to be sitting there, which was Yusuf Nurkic and Nasir Little, because well, listen, Portland wasn't getting them anywhere else. Well, they got Grayson Allen on that, but but I hear you. Yeah, he uh, shot Nasir Little. Nasir Little's not playing when they're down two stars. Right. He shot. Uh, wait, wait, hold on. He shot sixty. 5% in the restricted area last year. And he shot 45%, you know, basically three to 10 feet. So yes, there have been times in his career where he shot higher, but I mean, you know, he I'll can tell you, is anybody who watched him play last year, if you ask scouts, you ask people who watch the games, they'll tell you he couldn't make a layup last year and he can't make one this year. Listen, maybe they should just throw bowl bowl out there. Uh, Isaiah Thomas knows oh, a lot boy. about basketball. Oh, and he's, oh, he's, boy. Hey, so seven, I was footer, seven footer, the best ball handler, best shooter. I mean, some people. Let's, let's give a little context here. No, All right. So, the, so the uh, game yeah. was in Detroit today. And they so had Isaiah Thomas. bad boys jerseys. They had this whole bad boys thing. They're celebrating the the great bad boys business teams. And so Isaiah Thomas was in the booth with uh, George Blaha in the fourth quarter. Um, legendary Pistons announcer. And then they start talking towards the end of the game with Bull Bulls in the game about the about Bull Bull. And he says this, quote, 
You're talking about somebody who is talented, extremely talented. And you're talking about the unicorns. We just saw Wembenyama the other night. His skill level is just as good. And I think when this young man gets a chance out on the floor, he's going to be something special in this league also. Listen, I am tired of hearing people say oh, that Bol Bol is like Victor Wembenyama. It is How many a years massive has he been in the league. Shaq said it the other night. How many years I, has he been he, in the league? Like if he was if he was that good, we'd know it by now. It, it's it's ridiculous. It's it's ridiculously. Shaq, Shaq said something but, like uh, they they have a similar skill set, but Wembenyama is more consistent. That's something. But listen, like Shaq said something like and and you know what, like. Here's the concerning thing if you're a Suns fan. Who does Isaiah, when Isaiah Thomas comes to Phoenix, where's he sitting? Who's sitting he with buddies the with? Who's he buddies with? with the owner. He's buddies with the owner. You know, they've got to find a way to get Nishbia's phone and block that number. <laughs> so like, I have like, spoken hey, to Matt Like Nishbia. if Bol Bol was playing, he'd be blocking everything. That's how they got to block that number in Ishbia's phone. <laughs> I have spoken to Matt Ishbia about his relationship with Isaiah Thomas. And he has made it clear to me that while Isaiah is somebody that he respects a lot um, and uh, he's a, he's on the board of his mortgage company, at least he was, I don't know if he still is at this moment, but he was on the board of that. That doesn't happen by accident. But, um, and yes, Isaiah was around some of the son's front office when he first bought the team. But as of right now, I'm, I don't think he's got a prominent voice in the son's. Hold on organization having said that they did sign bobo <laughs> and i'm calling for i'm calling for the i'm doing my best luke i'm calling for the replay calling for the replay review hold on who's who's at the replay center uh is that chris paul chris paul what do you think about isaiah thomas's involvement in the sun's front office well, i'm just asked it's just it was well, insane to hear bobo compared to victor Wembanyama. and yeah but I, I mean i'm tired of hearing it here's the thing Isaiah Thomas Bobo was, Bobo was cast aside by the Denver Nuggets and the Boston Celtics, the two best teams in the league. Perhaps, perhaps. And, and the Orlando Magic, who's who not yeah, one of the And after he actually played some for the Magic last year, they wanted nothing to do with them this summer. So perhaps everybody's onto something here. And perhaps. and also Chris Paul Chris these... Paul said that in an effort to get back at the Suns. I don't I feel pretty good that Isaiah Thomas did not have a significant role. And Chris Paul getting traded <clears throat> for Brad. Oh Hitler. yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, I know. He, I feel, he feels a different way. I don't. Chris doesn't always believe what he says. I <laughs> I believe that he believed that one. But anyways, let's get back to the Suns. Back anyway, to the Suns. And that they was have, an interesting they, little. That was an interesting little side action tonight. Yeah, in the, the Suns. Yeah. The Suns though have two major concerns. One. <laughs> You just got to hope for the best with, and that's the health of their three stars. I don't know how they address the concern they have at center because they kind of already did. And you could argue it created a bigger concern. Yeah. Well, they're, what they're trying to do, at least now, it's it's hard to judge it now because Booker and Beal are out. What Frank Vogel is now trying to do with Nurkic is they're trying to play through him on offense. Yeah. So in this game, they they ran offense through Nurkic. He had seven assists. He took just four shots. And they're trying to use him more as a facilitator than as the, an endpoint. Um, but they're also trying to plug up leaks. And I mean, their starting lineup tonight was Kevin Durant, um, Katia Bates, uh, Diop, Nurkic, Eric Gordon, and Grayson Allen. Three of those guys should be coming off the bench. Fellas, um, we've got breaking news. 
the Memphis Grizzlies got to win. Oh, wow. I jinxed the heck out of that. They came back. I jinxed the heck out of the Blazers. Basically, from the moment Brian said, I was (laughs) having my phone here. Basically, from the moment said, Brian said, Grizzlies are a few minutes away from going to 0 and 7. I think they scored a thousand points <laughs> yeah, from that it was point like to the a end. 23 2 run sparked by Wendy's Haterade. Yes. I do what I can. Everyone in Memphis should should do a do a golf clap for and Wendy eight, for and eight, saving and, the day for him. And Aiton probably didn't get another rebound. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he probably didn't. Yeah. A lot of baskets went in in that time, so I doubt he did. <laughs> All right. Well, congrats to the Grizzlies. They I I tell you one thing. They needed it. Ooh, um, boy, oh boy. Anyway, I'm saying the Suns just you 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 are the moment that the eight and trade happened, Bon Temps, you were firmly in the negative column. That's all been recorded. That's fine. I say just wait a little bit because in the preseason when those guys were clicking, they were pretty awesome looking. Yeah, but that had nothing to do with the eight and trade. That the that those are two separate buckets. They had their three guys out there for a quarter and they look great. Well, like, and and but it, you know, the other thing is this. If they had those three guys out there, healthy and clicking, who's playing center might not matter to all that much. And I, I wonder. Not. I wonder if it's like you know, last year we spent most of the year. Oh, you know, what are the Nuggets going to do at backup center? Well, the answer is they're going to play small ball for the few minutes that uh, the Joker's not on the floor. I wonder if come playoff time. Their starting center is not Kevin Durant, or not starting center, but the guy who's playing a lot of centers not Kevin Durant. Now, you know, again, that gets back to the first issue of health and durability. Right. But yes. Right. By the way, Jackson reports that um, ESPN, uh, with seven minutes to go, which is about when I mentioned it, Portland had a 94% chance to win. It was big. It was impressive watching it. Just the, just the, the points just ticked off. <laughs> Before great. we move on from this uh, Detroit uh, Phoenix game. Yeah. I just want to say, so I was talking to a scout who was watching the uh, uh, Pistons within the last few days, and he told me that Cade Cunningham is the best guard on the Pistons roster. That's not breaking news. And that Marcus Sasser, who's their first round pick out of Houston, they picked him with the 25th pick. Mm-hmm. He said he's their second best guard. It's interesting. Does he, Asar Thompson is a forward? Yeah. yeah Marcus I mean, Sasser's just... been good. It would be great if Monty Williams would start him and take Killian Hayes and punt him to the moon because he stinks. Oh God! Instead, <laughs> he's Killian Hayes hate. God, not, hate. it's not hate. He's he's objectively one of the worst players in basketball, and he's Listen. starting over a lottery pick and over Marcus Sasser, also who's also good. The last right, time I don't think I don't think uh, Jaden Ivey didn't play in this game because he had, he was sick. He he did not play. Um, he's been coming. I don't off think Jaden Ivey is real thrilled that he's not starting. Um, but Sasser, now granted, again, Ivy was out, but Sasser mm-hmm. had 22 points, uh, four assists in this game tonight. I'm just saying, this scout who's been around for 20 plus years, he was very, very high on. He, you know, Sasser played, I believe, four years at Houston. I don't know if they were all at Houston, but he played four years. So he was a little bit more maybe ready than some other guys. But um, anyway, I just thought I would. Squeeze in some Pistons coverage since it's really we really talk about the Pistons on here. And I was certainly surprised to hear that. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. All right. One of the teams in the Western Conference who had been playing uh, pretty well was the, uh, <coughs> excuse me, the Golden State Warriors, who had a uh, pretty nice win in opening in the in-season tournament in Oklahoma City the other night. Um, although it came 
without Shea Gildas Alexander. He tweaked his knee, and uh, but Steph hit a hit a runner at the buzzer, which Draymond hit the rim, and somehow it wasn't goaltending. I'm still not exactly sure why it wasn't goaltending, but whatever it went in, and that was a nice win for them. Um, they did go into Cleveland tonight and uh, take their second loss. The Cavs uh, used a a big lineup against them, their regular lineup. And look, it was a road game in Cleveland on a Sunday night. I'm not going to freak out about the Warriors dropping it, but this particular game that they played tonight was an indication of the worry that you have with the, with the Warriors, which is my gosh, are they small? They play so small. Steve Kerr. I wish the listeners could have seen the text chain when Northeast Ohio's own was regaling us about his favorite I, team and how they would win believe. the finals. If it was Cavs warriors, in oh, a sweep. Yes, he did. they would dominate, dominate the parade route. I believe I said that if the warriors played the Cavs in a series right now, the warriors would be in trouble. And then the great thing is right after that, uh, sports center, Tweeted the graphics that says Cavs snapped 12 game regular season losing streak to Warriors. <laughs> what does that have anything to do with it? But now, but now though, it's and by the way, though. it's not a commentary on the Cavs' strength, it's a commentary on how small the Warriors play. It's stunning how small the Warriors play. Uh, Kevon Looney played 15 minutes. Well, he played Dario Saric played 13. After that, they pretty much played ultra small and watching the calves just work them over with their size was amazing. Wow. I didn't Looney had 11 rebounds in 15 minutes. What? And that's a, that's a confusing decision because Looney, like when they won the championship a couple years ago, Looney was a huge part of it, especially the last couple of series. So that's interesting. You know, Chris Paul the, can't hit a shot right now. He had been awesome as far as facilitating. Only two assists tonight. He had the rare more fouls than assist uh, performance. A bump in the road for the CP six man of the year campaign tonight. That's okay. Well, I'm, I'm look. I'm not analyzing this particular game. I mean, Evan Mobley had 16 rebounds. They brought Tristan Thompson into the game, and he played in the he played like five or six minutes in the first half. And I think he had five rebounds in five minutes. The guy who was on our set last year, they play with, I'm just saying like, and you know, we know that they are a heavy uh, shooting team, but I don't know if you can win at a high level when you are so susceptible to being dominated in the paint. Well, not, not without Draymond playing at peak Draymond level, which he's correct not there right now. Correct. I mean, look, the Warriors have a couple of things going on, right? One is Draymond's not in shape. He missed a bunch of time with his own, I believe, calf injury, missed a sprained ankle, missed all preseason. Yeah. He's clearly getting himself back into prime Draymond shape. The bigger issues are Clay Thompson's been up and down, mostly down, and Andrew Wiggins has been awful. And when they play small, when they're successful, it's because Andrew Wiggins is playing well and playing bigger. Like you mentioned, Looney in the finals against the Celtics. The other guy who was going crazy rebounding the ball was Andrew Wiggins. Right. And he's been terrible. So that you combine those things together. And mm-hmm. that's why on a day like today, 
the Warriors are having a lot of trouble. Well, look, so they're five and two. Those guys, and they're four and one away. Like the last year, they had not, eleven road wins all season. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm just saying, when you when you see them play a team with size like the Cavs, it was just eye opening the way this game played out. Eye opening, and well, they, they didn't shoot well. The had they shot? Had they shot? Zion. Well, yeah. I mean, okay, Zion's fine. not exactly a. You're, he's not tall, and he's not I'd like say a, he's got size though. Yeah, but he's not like an awesome rebounder. He's not like a guy who you know. I, sure. For his, Evan Mobley's not an awesome rebounder either. That's fine. He did. You awesome know, Chris today. Paul did have. Uh, this is. I haven't checked it tonight, but uh, the other day when I looked, and this is, it's gone slightly in the other way in both directions, but I don't think I've ever seen a guard whose average plus minus, which was 9.5 per per game, plus 9.5 per game, was twice his three-point percentage. He was shooting 4.8% from three-point range and was a plus 9.5 on a per-game basis. (laughs) That's hard to do if you think about it as a guard. You know what? One of the most interesting stats to me of the whole NBA season. I'm taking a big detour here. What's this? What's that? The Lakers, when LeBron is on the court, mm-hmm. this is following their loss at Orlando uh, on Saturday. He was on the court a lot in that game too. I think he was. I think he paid 36. Mm. But how's you know how's this for your for your uh, plans to reduce LeBron's minutes? When LeBron's on the court, the Lakers are plus 47. Mm-hmm. When he's off the court, they're minus 70. Yeah. Perhaps the they there. didn't have the greatest offseason in the history of the universe. So the issue there is if you reduce LeBron's minutes, you're really going to be lightening his workload because you're probably not, not well, get to go home in April. I say that. Yay. I say that, but they were a seven seed last year and got to the uh, West Finals. So who knows? Well, look, I think the, a Laker fan would say they're, that they're missing like three or four key players. But it's, you know, nonetheless. I mean, the thing about it is Anthony Davis is actually putting up some spectacular numbers. He's averaging, he shoot, he's got, he's, he's putting up 26, 13, and he's leading the league in blocks per game so far. He's also leading the league in minutes played. He's been uh, but, he's been every I mean he's been truly really good on defense in particular. I mean, well, he's it's shooting, impressive how much of a rim presence he is now. Right. I mean, he's he's averaging almost four blocks a game. I'm just saying, and they're absolutely heavily dependent on LeBron being out there. Well, and so let's be honest. A part of that is because the guy who we thought was going to be their third best player has gotten off to a poor start and terrible. Like Austin, Austin Reeves, Reeves, I'm not saying I don't think the guy is going to have a good season. He's but he's stunk it up so far this season. By the way, really low key, pretty intriguing game. I mean, never say low key with the Lakers involved, but Lakers Heat, two teams off to a bit of a scuffle of a start. Heat are two and four. That that that's an interesting game Monday night in Miami. Very interesting game. Yeah, well, I, I'm not really forming an opinion on just about anything yet. I would just say. Worried about that small lineup for the Warriors. Worried about that number on the mm-hmm. Lakers with LeBron. Those are two things that, because you're talking about, you know, we're talking about them going small with Draymond and Wiggins as the two bigs. There's t- times where they play 
Gary Payton the second out there at one of the forward spots. And like, you know, he does his thing where he comes flying in from the corner and, you know, then we'll, we'll stretch the floor and spot up out there. I mean, he makes plays, but you know, loose balls, like, I don't know. I'm just saying, I, you know, it, 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 the, when the Warriors have Chris Paul out there yes, and have Draymond at center, you're, it's, it's a big lift that you're asking them. And you're in this particular small. game, it really came out. Yeah. And, and small before Steph was the smallest guy on the floor. Now, if you're playing small with Chris Paul, you've got a short 38 year old guy out there and, and, you know, they're the death lineup. You could call it small, but you had a seven footer out there, right? Kevin Durant. Um, you had Iguodala, who like certainly is a was an athletic and physical uh, player. So, yeah, it's a it's a little bit different than when they've gone small in the past. And before we move on, uh, Donovan Mitchell's off to a pretty terrific start to this season. He came into tonight averaging thirty three. He had thirty one in this game tonight. He's shooting the ball, you know, as well as he ever has. He came in uh, shooting 53% from the field. And he was an 11 of 19 uh, in this game. He's also, to this point, been pretty uh, pretty effective and pretty aggressive playing perimeter defense. The Cavs' defense has not been good this season. They came into this game, uh, I think, ranked 17th or something like that. They are obviously uh, first last year. But Donovan has not been necessarily the guilty party there he he's played pretty well so i will also recognize that while the Cavs are scuffling a little bit because they've had some injury issues they're going to be just fine now that they're healthy yeah yeah donovan is putting up you know really impressive numbers to this point okay uh also putting up impressive numbers victor Wembanyama, who had an explosive performance 38 points thursday night shortly after uh, we recorded our last podcast, wasn't as good today. They lost today. They blew a big lead and lost at home to Toronto. And he was not as much of a factor down the stretch of the game as uh, as you'd like to see him. But uh, he he entered the weekend like fourth in the league in points in the clutch. I don't think he improved that number uh, in this game. Um, but he is, you know, so there was a game... I went back and looked it up. LeBron's rookie year, uh, he had a game against the Nets. The Nets at the time were the two-time defending Eastern Conference champs. Um, they were loaded. Jason Kidd, uh, our, our Richard Jefferson, mm-hmm. uh, Kerry Kittles. Um, can't remember who else was on that team, but um, and this they played the, the, again, this game against the Nets. It, it was probably in about it was probably about March 25th the Nets were a top three team um, Richard Jefferson had like 35 in that game um, they played you know pretty you know they played pretty uh, playing pretty good the Cavs were you know like in 10th place and LeBron put put up 41 that night I think he had 41 points and 13 assists maybe six or seven rebounds and just was dominant down the stretch of the game um, at age 19. And it was like the first time you saw him really flex his muscles, totally control a game, dominate a really good team down the stretch and just put up one of those jaw dropping performances. And it came in about his 65th game. Mm-hmm. Um, 
That's what Victor did against the Suns on Friday night when he put up 38 uh, with 10 rebounds. And, um, and scored 10 points in like the last four minutes. Right. <laughs> I mean, just that, took that's, the game that, That's kind of what LeBron did in that game. I don't remember that. Yeah, and he took but, it over uh, when Booker was cooking. In his fifth game. Yeah. On the road. That next LeBron game was in Cleveland. On the road against a team that they had just beaten. And you know the Suns wanted to get back. Booker was playing and playing well. And actually, his finish got a lot of attention. But I'm going to point out the start. They started the game 9 nothing. Victor, I think, had two or three of those baskets. And they knew they were going to be facing a little bit of an onslaught and Victor came out and set the tone at the start and then finished it as well. It was an extremely impressive moment and just continues to verify. I'm just saying he did, he did in his fifth game what LeBron yeah. did in his 65th game. I compared those two games and, um, and I, and I was, I mean, it was extremely impressive guys. Well, and, and he had, you know, 38 and scored all over the floor and bond temps, you know, you said, uh, in one of our recent pods, basically like the three point shooting with Victor, something to really keep an eye on in terms of what's his ceiling going to be. And th- he had a great three point shooting night that night. I mean, you know, I joked about him going over 42 on pull-ups and in, in pregame, but he hit one, you know, going full speed up the left wing, pulled up, boom, hit another one, you know, a seven foot four guy is the pick and roll ball handler pulling up into a three and just crazy stuff, man. This guy's touch and feel and just ability to create around the rim is insane. Like the skill, there was one where he spun baseline, goes around the rim, wraps up. What's that Street Fighter Street Fighter uh, character's name? De Haslam or whatever. Like he has that De Haslam arm, just wraps all the way around the rim, left-handed, and finishes with touch on the other side. Like. Seven foot four guys don't move like that. They don't have that kind of feel and they don't have that kind of touch. It's insane some of the ways this guy finishes when he's not even, you know, like sometimes he's just going to be able to jump and dunk. But when he's not, some of the finishes are ridiculous. The other thing is Devin Vassell, who's their, you know, their Mm. top scorer, he heard him, he got hurt in the first half of that game and wasn't available for the second half. Also wasn't available tonight. And um, who started in that spot today? Do you? I can look it up. Uh, Malachi Branham. Oh, Malachi Branham did? I thought it was Trey Jones. Yeah. So that, that, uh, St. Vincent, St. Mary High School. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I, I do. I have heard of it, and he did start. Trey Jones oh, played a he, ton of minutes. So I just, he I went eight of nine shooting. He started. So the Trey Jones thing is very interesting to me because I don't think there's any question that if this season was just about, hey, let's win as many games as possible and see if we can make the playoffs, that Trey Jones would be their starting point guard. No question. They're going with the Sohan experiment. Again, I get the logic. But, man, I was just looking at uh, at numbers. They have one guy on their team that has a positive net rating. It's Trey Jones, and it's plus 10.8. Small sample size and all that, but it's 162 minutes. And then just if we're talking about – how can you maximize Vic? Again, small sample size. It's 75 minutes. The Spurs are plus 32.8 per 100 possessions with those two guys on the floor in those 75 minutes. Yeah, I mean, having a point guard for him makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and so I, I'm curious to see if they stick with the Sohan at, point guard ex- at starting point guard experiment or if there comes a point in the season where they go to trade Jones there. 
And who knows, maybe there's something that happens before the trade deadline where they can plug Sohan into a forward spot and go forth well, that way. The thing I've really liked the past couple games, we talked about earlier in the year that Victor was floating around a lot on the perimeter and kind of playing like a shooting guard. The last couple of games in particular, he's like you said, man, he's been much closer to the basket. And then getting him the ball <clears throat> at the basket, it makes a big difference. Like his, he's got pretty incredible touch, not just in terms yeah. of shooting the ball, but also like you don't really think about it, but obviously he's so big and so long, they can just throw the ball like 14 feet in the air and he can go catch it. Like there was a play in today's game, Kelvin Johnson just threw the ball up and Victor went and caught it and like back tapped it to Charles Bassey rolling down the lane for a layup. There was another play where they just flung it down court and he caught it like Randy Moss as a wide receiver before it went out of bounds and hit somebody for a layup. Like having him near the basket, be able to just throw the ball up to him like that. He's got such good body control and feel. It's not just him shooting. Obviously him shooting at the rim is good, but he can set up other guys with passes all over the place from there, just from his court vision and being able to manipulate the ball. Like it, and it's, it's been good to see him doing that because then it gets his size more in play instead of him just being out on the perimeter. You know what, when would have been a really good time to test that out? (laughs) Last play of the game. (laughs) Yeah. Like when they're trying to run an inbounds play with the uh, tie score, the last seconds of regulation. And I don't know what game, I don't know what they were supposed to be doing, but like, I think I, I'm not 100% sure I didn't fact check this to make sure, but I think the Spurs had two timeouts and I think they called them both in a row to set up this play. And it was supposed to be a lob. And then I mean, after the allegedly game, it was supposed to be a lob, but Victor just ran around it, in a circle. For I know, a few it, it wasn't good. I mean, you it could throw this guy, I guess his arms are ridiculously long, but he never got within like 12 feet of the hoop. It was, a, it was very <laughs> They're bad. They're not that long. That was not good. He also had a, a a really good look at a three in overtime that could have tied the game, out. and it rimmed out. He, I think he they was were down two... four at the time, but oh, either right. way, it would it would have changed <laughs> the game. By the way, yeah. we because even though it was not the the Spurs, Scotty Barnes was awesome today, uh, particularly down the stretch at thirty eleven and six, and um, he has been Pascal Siakam has been not good for the Raptors, but Scotty Barnes has looked terrific yeah. in the early going here after an up and down. Uh, sophomore year, to put it mildly, he has really looked great coming out of the gates. Um, and, and certainly for the Raptors, that's been pretty exciting to see him. And it was fun seeing him go toe to toe at times with Victor today. Though it is funny, so I've watched a few of these Spurs games now. You see, guys, there's like one guy a game who tries to attack Victor on an ISO drive and just get it bounced off their head, and then they don't do it again. Like we saw Andrew Wiggins do it in the preseason. Today, it was both Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi kind of got in their bag, tried to go into them, and then it was just like, boink, just like bounce off their head. And it's like, all right, not going to try that again. It's just funny seeing like a guy on a team try that every game and just get nowhere every time. Barnes, Barnes, by the way, is, let me see what he had. His final numbers were today. He had 30, 11, and 6. Today. He's averaging like 22, 10, and 6. He also made five threes today, which is a pretty encouraging development. Yeah, he's been he's been really shooting the three to a decent clip this year early on. Yeah, he's, over, he's, sticks, he's over forty percent on threes. I mean, it's very season. it's very early. At one game, we went right. four for six. So, but if he can, if he's he never shoot, shot a, his first two years. He shot twenty nine percent or right. something like that. I mean, if he season, just becomes so. a thirty five, thirty six percent three point shooter, it's a big difference. Let alone if he's better than that. All right, well, we'll keep an eye on Victor. Okay, before we go, 
Monday night in New York with Tim Bontemps scheduled to be in attendance, I believe. Who? All right. Well, Bucks Nets. But I'll be in the same city as James Harden yet again. You're in the same city right now, although I maybe maybe I shouldn't assume that. James Harden with the Clippers will make. He said today he's going to play. The interesting thing for the Clippers, they haven't revealed what their starting lineup is. The Athletic has 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 reported something that has been heavily speculated, which Mm -hmm. is that Russell Westbrook will not be going to the bench that Harden will start alongside Westbrook with uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard at the forwards and Avicia Zubac at center. So I-, I don't know if they'll finish the games that way. I remember the Lakers bending over backwards to make sure Russell mm-hmm. Westbrook kept a starting job there and not going so well. Westbrook is in a different headspace and is playing much better. So I'm not surprised that they're going to go this way, at least to start, but I I don't know about this decision. It doesn't make sense except for we're not the ones who have to manage the locker room, right? Like it's just, you you have to understand the human element that goes into things that should be obvious basketball decisions, right? Because the obvious basketball decision is, Hey, we've got three guys who like to have the ball in their hands uh, that are, you know, three max players that like to have their ball in their hands. Now that you've got James Harden join Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Like Russ is the fourth offensive option. Man, that's that's not a real good fit. Where if Russ is coming off the bench, Russ is like the the you know instant offense off the bench. That would make a lot of sense there. But you're dealing with you're dealing with the Hall of Fame ego here. It's not easy. At some point, they've got to. I think they're going to have to convince Russ that it's his idea to come off the bench, and you know, I mean, just take out billboards applauding his sacrifice, whatever you got to do. But on this team, he needs to be in a six-man role. Uh, I'm not going to say sooner than later, but certainly before, you know, before it's 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 time to try to make a playoff run. Well, the alignment that would probably make more sense, right, would be to start. PJ Tucker at four and have Paul George at two and Kawhi at three. I don't know how Kawhi is going to like playing four, especially at the end of games, but I assume that this was all discussed with all the powers that be make sure everything's nice and understood. But yeah, I, I, I think more than anything, I, I just think that it's a, it's a, it's a balance issue. Yeah. So well, look, Russell I didn't Westbrook. think Westbrook was going to work out there, so I I don't know. Maybe I've lost my privileges to criticize it. Well, but let's really look at it though. He he didn't work out when it was him and the two stars playing together. It was not going well. It worked better when it was him without one of them or both of them because then he could have the ball in his hands all the time. That's why it makes sense to have him in a six man roll off the bench mm-hmm. where he can have the ball in his hands all the time. And then whereas deficiencies are not killing you in the critical moments of the games. And look, they, whatever reason they're trying this now, if this is the lineup that they're going with, when they go to the playoffs, they're going to have the same kind of clipper ending they've always had before. Now, maybe at some point there will be a change and he'll go to the bench and he'll buy into it. And maybe they have to do this first to see if they can make it work, whatever. But I would say this is a bad sign for the Clippers ultimately getting where they want to go. Because I would have thought after all of the time that there's been building up to this trade happening, which is not like it's a surprise. It's been talked about for five months now. You would think 
everybody be on the same page and be like, all right, here's what we're going to do. Going to have Ross come off the bench and cook. We're going to have James start. Everybody's on board. This is going to make sense. But the fact that you can't even have that happen today after months of everybody being aware this was a thing and talking about it and being ready for it, it doesn't, to me, bode well for this experiment. Because to me, this is a discussion that you should have had before the trade is made, that this is not going to work. I think that there was a discussion and it was going to be, I'm going to start. I think that was the discussion that was had before the trade. <laughs> well, then you should Wait, be uh, telling Russell Westbrook you can get punted then. Well, like, yeah. And, and honestly, and seriously, like at this point, it's like, Russ, like, we love you. We respect you. But dude, you're not a shot caller anymore. You're not like, on a $44 million is not, contract anymore. This is, you're, not, you're not with he the He has Oklahoma the support. City of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. That's why he's on the team. He has the support of Harden, it seems to. Look, that's I'm just saying. You have he can have all the support. For one year in Houston, then they both want to get the hell out of Dodge. Look, no, they can all have the support of each other all they want. I'm just saying, if this is the outcome, after all this time everybody had to prepare for this, and this is how we're starting out for the Clippers, doesn't bode well for their chances of getting to where they want to go. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I agree with that. So since we did the last pod, Harden had the press conference where he said, I am the system. I don't want to rehash all that. From Harden's standpoint, his sacrifice last year didn't get him what he wanted. Listen, that reminds me of like when Wendy says in the in the group chat, I am not a podcaster. I am the podcast. <laughs> it's I mean, true. Like, damn golly, right. we just got to well, spot up and space the floor and you know play hard. When James Harden sat on the podium in Boston after game one, the second round of the playoffs, he had 45 and they won without Joel Embiid. And he said, I haven't felt like this in a long time. It was pretty obvious. He had no desire to be playing second fiddle to anybody. And well, I think he would have felt a little bit better if they came with a four year max. No, that, he might not have that, loved it, but he'd have taken the money. That's when he not didn't what get I'm, the money and he had to play second fiddle. I understand, but that's not but that's not that's not what happened. That's not why why what happened this summer happened. Hmm. He did not like playing second fiddle. It was quite obvious. He that's still why believes he, that's why he was running the Houston to the Rockets said, eh, James on second thought, buddy. I We're, understand, that's right. but if they'd offered him a four year max, he'd have signed it. That's not the point. Yeah, after the Rockets not, didn't offer him one. That's not the point. I understand that's, that. The point is, by the end of the season, despite winning the assist title, beside, beside, despite having Joel win MVP, despite everything, besides despite their, him despite their him success, despite all of it, the, all of that, the end of the day, he was clearly not satisfied with that role and didn't think he and thought he could still be the guy. And it was not a coincidence to me that when he are surprised to me that he sat there the other day and talked the way he did. Now, some of that was clearly missiles fired at Doc Rivers, who he obviously did not like by the end of his time there. And as Doc has said in interviews since, I think Doc was pretty aware of that. But the feeling was mutual. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But James Harden did not like being second fiddle guy. And, you know, we'll again, we'll see how this whole experiment goes. I think it was the right move for the Clippers to make. I think they should have made it. But yeah, well, he wants to get paid at the end of this one too. Well, we'll see how it goes. He does look I, like I he's in good shape. I just don't think this bodes well for there. No, he looks great. That everybody mm-hmm. who was in Philly will tell you he looked great the last month. Yeah, he looked ready to go. I think he's going to be motivated. You know, I, motivated. I have no reason not to believe he's going to play well. But this starting lineup thing is not a good sign. I would say. All right. Well, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, they started on East Coast road trip. They played them then in Brooklyn, right? 
uh, they play the Knicks and then then the Nets. Is that what they play the they play the Knicks Monday and the Nets Wednesday? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, I'm sure James will always be welcomed back in Brooklyn. I'm sure he'll be very comfortable there. Uh, All right. Thank you for listening to the Collective Podcast. We'll have a lot to talk about uh, next time we speak. See how that Harden Clippers first game goes. Thank you to Mr. Bontemps. Thank you to Mr. McMahon. Thank you to Jackson. And thank you for listening. Adios, amigos. Thank you.